Well, yeah. Sally wasn't here. Sally wasn't Sally's here. not here. You know I need it. You know, you're taking up the, yeah. There's a, and there's a lot of slack, I'm telling you. They're uh, traveling today. And um, thank you, uh, Julie. Um, anyway, where's your wife today? Look at the bachelors over here. We got bachelor number one and bachelor number two. Under the weather. Well, let's pray for that. And, 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 uh, is, and, and what's that? Getting over a cold. That's better than getting over grandchildren. Um, all right. Well, tell Sue we're praying for her. And now let me guess Barbara is with uh, Felix's family today? or? He did. All right. Okay. Prayers for the family. We'll 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 pray about that later when we go to prayer time. Thank you, Carrie. And, and uh, so we got other we got all kinds of folks that are traveling or sick or out today. So we'll remember to pray for them. Today we go to the sixth, the sixth I am, and um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, John chapter fourteen. If you have Eddie's already read it for us today and. We'll start in, in John chapter 14. Um, let me show you a video first. When I was uh, 13 years old, I remember I, I loved football. I still do. And I watched everything that I could possibly watch. And so when I was thinking about, um, as a matter of fact, there was a little clip I saw about the guy who flew the wrong way back in whenever it was, 19, and um, he was supposed to be flying from um, the East Coast to the West Coast, and he took a wrong turn, and he flew to Ireland, and he was a big hero flying across the Atlantic. Uh, great story, wrong way, but I loved football, and I thought this was a better story. How many of you remember Jim Marshall? How many of you guys remember Jim Marshall? And uh, ladies, too. I'm sorry, ladies. Some ladies put their hand up and said, I remember him, too. Jim Marshall played a great football player, played for the Minnesota Vikings, but he was famous for this great play in October of 1965. Which way is he going? The wrong way. It was. Yay, Jim! You scored two points for the other team. <laughs> the wrong way. He thought he was going the right way, but there was only one way to get to the touchdown, right? Only one way, and he went the wrong way. Now, there's a lot of people going the wrong way, and that's what Jesus is going to try to help people out with today. It's very clear what he says. In John chapter 14, which I love, I memorized the first three verses when I was a little kid. I'll forget it. But John chapter 14 is so important, as I say so many times, to understand the context. Jesus starts off by saying, let not your heart be troubled to the disciples. 
He said, don't be troubled. We'll talk about that word in just a moment. But the context around that, what were they troubled about? What, did he, what had just been said in chapter 13, just previous to this discussion, and they were very troubled. They were troubled, if you see in verse 21 of chapter 13, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to, uh, to uh, betray me. So they were, they were upset. Judas was, uh, was going to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were troubled over that. If you look in verse 33, I think the main thing that they were troubled about is that Jesus was going to leave them. In verse 38, Peter is, you know, in his normal mode and says some things. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to betray me. So I tried to think of how to illustrate that as being, you know, so devastating. Let's think about it. Let's just use this illustration purposes, just illustration purposes. So don't, don't be offended if I use you in the illustration, but it'll help us to understand what's happening. So let's pretend that you're the disciples you know, all 40 of you, whatever, are the disciples today. And let's, let's use these three events to see how it might be troubling to the disciples. On, on a scale much, much worse, but it starts off and someone's going to, one of the inner circle is going to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's just use a like example. Let's say that uh, Mike, who handles our money here, that we find out that Mike has uh, uh, has betrayed us all. He's been taking that money and shifting it into uh, his own uh, uh, fly to the Bahamas account, and uh, he's going to go down there for a big party, and he's got it all. And we find out about it, and we say, "Mike, we can't, but we love you. You're the you do all the mission work, and you're always telling us about missions, and you're helping us, and 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 you betrayed us." That would be devastating, wouldn't it? Julie would be really upset because she's not getting to go to the Bahamas. He didn't even tell her. <laughs> now, let me assure you that, that that's not the case. But think how the disciples must have felt. This is how you're feeling right now. If you really thought that, it would be devastating. Uh, it, would be, it would be difficult if, if our mob boss, Ron, who's not here today, so maybe I shouldn't use him as part of this illustration. I, it's better to use people not here. Sorry, Mike. And then they don't, they don't worry about it. But let's say Ron comes in and says, uh, you know, I love you guys, but I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I found another life group that I'm going to serve in. I'm gone. You say, well, we don't want you to leave. First of all, we know that's not true. Couldn't find a better life group. Amen. And uh, so, but he said, we would be, and we love him. We love him. Amen? We don't want him to leave, but it would, be, it would be devastating. And then, of course, they said, well, Peter would deny him three times. And, well, David's gone. I'll use David so you can tell him later. So David's gone. David's gone to, had to go to work. So David goes to work. And they said, David, aren't you in that uh, Jones Life group? Aren't you a part of that life? Nope, nope, not me. Not me. I'm not a part of that. I have nothing to do with it. Somebody else comes in. Are you a part of that life group? No, 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 no. That's a weird life group. That guy, strange guy that teaches that class. And, 
some big guy with the red shirt on does the sound when I'm gone, and I, you know, I, I don't even know who they are. I don't know anything about them. Well, we, we'd be hurt. We'd be disappointed. The disciples had much more. The, the Savior of the world that they had committed their life to said, I'm leaving. Their, their most uh, flamboyant and boisterous and great spokesperson that Jesus said, about his confession upon this rock, I will build my church. He's going to, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And one of them is actually a betrayer. Now that's the context that Jesus walks into when he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So they feel abandoned. And perhaps they think, and I wonder if, I wondered about this this week as I was studying. I wonder if they thought, well, maybe I, as a disciple, I, I, I've said so many things and done so many things, maybe I don't deserve his care. Maybe, I, maybe I've messed up. Where's he going? And, and how, how's this going to happen? And can, can we go too? So they are discouraged. And Jesus said, you need some reassurance. So let me give you that reassurance. So he points out, I think, three important truths to help them. And thank goodness these truths are the same ones that help us today. Number one, personal faith and a personal Lord brings personal comfort. Verse 1. Verse 2 and 3, Jesus said, look, your long-term future is secure. And that's verses 2 and 3. And then in verses 4, 5, and 6, Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm the way to heaven. You've selected the right way. Be encouraged. So that's what it's all about. Let's look at the first verse, first uh, verse, verse. Personal faith and a personal Lord brings personal comfort. Let not your heart be troubled, the Greek word terazzo. It's the same word I found that Jesus is used about Jesus in many different verses. Verses chapter 11, verse 33, chapter 12, verse 27, chapter 13, verse 21. Same word to use that's used about Jesus' state. It's several times, like at Lazarus, uh, the death of Lazarus and so on a troubled state, an anxious state, an agitated state in some respects. He said, don't let your heart be worried, be concerned, be overly anxious. It was uh, funny to me, not funny, ha-ha, but different, odd, that Jesus, who was on his way to the cross, the agony of the cross in just a few hours, he was the one that sank. He's comforting. Look, disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. <coughs> believe in God, believe also in me. Now, when he said, don't let your heart be troubled, he followed quickly by saying, believe in God, believe also in me. Interesting tense there, believe in God, imperfect tense, which means continuous action, which means keep on believing, keep on believing, keep on believing, keep on believing. When I'm gone, keep on believing. When I'm crucified, keep on believing. The three days I'm in the grave, keep on believing. And after the resurrection, keep on believing. And then when I ascend up into heaven and give you a mission, keep on believing. 
And so it's, uh, it's the same thing that you say to your children. It's very easy to understand that Jesus used this example. So you, you say to your, your children, uh, trust me and keep on trust me. How many of you remember, for some of us, it's a lot of memory years ago, a long time ago, but you remember when your kids got scared at night and came and crawled into bed with you. You remember that? Any of you remember that? Yeah, some of you remember that. And, you know, you'd say, you know, I remember after a few times you'd say, I'd say, Amy, go back to bed. There's nobody there. I want to sleep. And they said, no, there's a booger man there. He's going to get me. I know he's going to get me. And what do you say? Trust me. There's nobody there. And here, come on up here and get next to me. I'll take care of it. Fall right to sleep. Because it's complete, total trust. And Jesus says, believe in me, keep on believing me, keep on believing me. And when it really, in times of great difficulty, when the rest of humanity is saying, well, where is God? And what happened? And if we're not careful, we fall in the trap. Jesus says, keep on believing, keep on trusting. Um, it's, sometimes it sounds trite, doesn't it? Why would God allow this to happen? Where was God when this happened? And, was, and I, I, I have to believe the disciples are thinking, what's going on? And he said, hey, it's a personal faith in the one who's about to die for you. Continue to trust me. Secondly, our long-term future is secure. Read with me verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. How many of you have a King James Version? What does it say there? In my, house are, in my Father's house are many what? Mansions. Mansions. How many of you grew up singing, I've got a mansion just over the hillside. And I, I, I thought that was a great song. It is a great song. That's not what the word means, though. <laughs> In our materialistic society, Jesus was not promising you a mega mansion in heaven. You say, oh, oh no, no, I, I think it means mansion. No, no, it doesn't. I know you'd like to, and I like that song. So, well, where'd they get that? Well, the Latin word, when they translate it, they translated the Latin word mansio, which looks just like our word mansion. But it means an abiding place, a room. I like what it says in, um, in the NLT. It says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. There's more than enough room in my father's home. And that's a better use of the word manet, uh, even though sometimes it's translated mansions. He said, he's, he's trying to tell them and assure them, look, heaven's a real place. It's not some pie in the sky thing. Heaven's a real place, and there's plenty of room. And I'm going to prepare this for you, personally for you, disciples. And that means he's preparing it for me. 
He's saying that it's a real place. Heaven's a real place. It has many rooms. I think it's interesting. It's a home for God's children. I find it fascinating that while Jesus was on earth, he grew up as a, in the home of, and the vocation was what? A carpenter. And so he told Peter on this confession, he said, he said about the church, he said, I will build my church. And then he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for my church in heaven. A place for you. I looked that up. It's the same word used in Revelation 12, verse 8. It's the same word. A place for you is a place in heaven. Same exact word that John used in Revelation chapter 12. Now, this assurance that he's giving them in this verse of Scripture, which he gives to us as well, was the same that I believe encouraged Jesus himself. Let me read what the writer of Hebrews said. It says, who for Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Paul said it this way, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. How much do we think about heaven? The older we get, I would dare say, the more we think about heaven. The more people that you lose that you love, the more you think about heaven. And the more we realize that it's a real place. And that's why Jesus uses this to encourage us. It is a real place that I have prepared for those who love me. Then he goes ahead in, in verse 3. He said, I, I, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, look, and, and if I go and prepare a place for you, here's a, a great promise. I will what? I will come back. So what does that mean? Well, and if you look at the Greek and how it's translated, it means I will come back. Really deep, isn't it? I will come back. I will return. Uh, now, many people will say, well, he's talking about the rapture of the church. He's coming back to, for, his, for his people. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, Paul later affirms this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, talking about the rapture of the church. And they said, well, that was a Pauline doctrine that he taught and that they needed to understand. And yet Jesus teaches it right here. He said, I will come again and what? And receive you unto myself. I'm going to come back and get you. And then together, at some point after that, we will come together and establish my kingdom on earth. So he's saying, I will come back and take you to be with me. Again, just like the thoughts about heaven, very encouraging, the thoughts about Jesus coming back are very encouraging. So well, when is it going to happen? I don't know. Jesus said, I will come back, referring to the rapture. But then he goes on and and, and, that, and that is encouraging. And the thoughts about heaven are encouraging. I, I, I've thought more about heaven in the past three years than all of my 63 years prior to that. 
I think about heaven more and more, again, as, as, a, as a way of comfort when I think about those that are there that I want to be with. The first time I ever used this passage of Scripture, uh, and I've unfortunately been to a lot of funerals. <laughs> I don't enjoy going to funerals. I don't enjoy speaking at funerals. And I guess I've done my fair share, but uh, as, as many of you have. But I remember, I guess, the first time I ever used this passage of Scripture was at my grandfather's graveside service. I, I, that was my, my father's father, and I was very close to him. And I remember pulling this scripture out and saying, let not your heart be troubled. And I said, okay, why? Because he's with me. I've prepared a place for him, and that's where he is. And guess what? I'm going to come back and get you, whether you're in the grave or whether you're still alive, and I'm going to get you, and you're going to be with him. So that's comforting. But then the last thing that he said that's comforting is um, when he teaches, Jesus declares himself to be the passage, the only way to heaven. Look at verse 4. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? He circled those two words. We don't know where, circle where. We don't know how. Circle how. He asked where, he asked how. Did Jesus answer either of those two questions? No. And many times people ask questions and Jesus doesn't answer it the way we wanted to answer it. He, asked, he answered it differently. He, said, he answered it instead of, who, instead of where and how, he answered it by saying who. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. He, he's, Jesus is saying, look, the only way to get there, to this place that I've prepared for you, is through me. He said, I'm not going to teach the way. I am the way. He said, I'm not going to point the way. I am the way. Now, the way, if I put it in parentheses, the way, it was, that was the name of the early Christians. The movement was called the way. Did you know that? Book of Acts. Let me just give you some verses of Scripture. We don't have time to read it, but let me, let me just give you those if you want to write them down. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. <coughs> Acts chapter 19, verses 8 and 9 and 23. Acts 22, verse 3 through 5. Acts 24, 10 through 15. And verse 22. All those places, people said, they're a member of the way. They didn't say they go down here to First Baptist Church. They said they're a member of the way. Why is that? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Mohammed's not the way. As a matter of fact, I... I Mohammed, you know, we talk about Islam, and, and I've been I studying, I've been, I studied a book, read a book that I found absolutely fascinating. You will too if you read it. It's called uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Great book. Great book, written by Nabil uh, Qureshi. Q 
Q-U-E-R-S-H-I, Karishi, something like that. And Nabil was a great Christian, great Christian, but he was a Muslim. And I, I, he was talking, he talked a lot about what Muhammad taught, Islam teaches and so on. But you know that Muhammad never said, I am the way. He said, no, this is what you have to do. He said, I can teach it. That's the difference. <coughs> Buddha never said, I am the way. He said, you know, if you want to find peace in life, you follow this. He never said, I am the way. Jesus only once said, I am the way. He didn't say the church was the way or that baptism was the way or that good works was the way. A lot of those things are very good, but he didn't say that was the way. And that's the big difference in a works, earn it, merit it, deserve it, salvation, and eternity with, with the Lord versus what Jesus said. Jesus said, I, the person I am, here we go with the, with the next I am, I am the way. Now, I'm trying to think of a, a good illustration for this this week. And I said, okay, let's say I'm going to direct you to come to my house. And you don't know anything about where I live. You don't know anything about Rockwall, and you're just you're from out of town. It's like me explaining it to my son-in-law in South Texas, who couldn't find something with directions. I mean, it's just impossible. Let's, and, and, and I love him, but he can't follow directions. Anyway, I'd say, okay, Jason, I want you to, you know, get to Dallas. Can't help you with that because you'll get there in a minute. Get to Dallas, and when you come, come down 30, and then you turn off here, and you go about eight miles, and then you turn, make a left, then at this clock tower, you turn, and then when you come to the circle, you take the first exit on the circle, and then you turn right at the next street, and then you turn back to the left, you go 12 houses, and you turn the driveway, and you're at my house. Now, I promise you, Jason is lost back to come to Dallas. <laughs> All right? And I, I've had those kind of directions before where I've been lost, too. Forget it. I, that's, that's not a, a lot of help. What if Jason gets to... I figure my daughter can help him get to Dallas. So uh, he gets to Dallas, and I said, Jason, I'm going to meet you at uh, the corner of 205 and, and 30. I, I, I'm going to meet you at the uh, that truck stop there. All right? So I go over there, and I say, okay, get in the car with me. And Leanna falls. And I take him by the hand, and I make all the turns, everything else. He no longer has a map. I am the map. I am the way. Right? That's what Jesus says. Jesus said, hey, listen, you're, you're trying to follow directions. You're trying to follow this path of, uh, of you know, if you, if you fast and you go to... Uh, uh, Ramadan and uh, you give alms and you say the confession and the five pillars if you follow those you might be able to spend some time in paradise no he didn't say that he said what I am the way that makes the difference in, in every religion I 
am the way. Okay. But he didn't say, I'm going to teach you the truth either. He said, I am the truth. He, didn't say, he, he said, I am the life, what everybody's seeking for. I am the way. I am the truth. I define truth, and I provide life. So what did Thomas say? Thomas said, where are you going in verse 5, and how do we know the way? Isn't that the same thing that people have asked throughout history? Where is God? And how do we get to him? And so what does Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. Jesus says me. So here's the way you summarize it. If you want to know the way to God, you must know me because I am the way. If you want to know what is truth, you must know me because I am truth. You look like you believe this, Adrian. You believe this. Amen. <laughs> if you want to have life, you must know me because I am the life. I went to a funeral a few years ago. And it was an um, interesting funeral, to say the least. And before the the uh, woman who was the pastor of this, I, I guess it was a church, spoke. They played music to soothe us. Wasn't much said about Jesus, but the, the big, you know, there's some songs that really bless you at a funeral, right, that you love to hear. I, I know my dad had requested certain songs be sung at his funeral which we had for him. But this song, I found it to be interesting that this song was uh, played at the funeral of this person. It was made famous, of course, by Frank Sinatra. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. My friend, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I sure, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall, and I did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all, all so amusing. To think that I did all that, and may I say, not in a shy way, oh no, no, not me, I did it my way. And then here's the shot at Christianity that the last verse takes. For what is man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels, the records show I took the blows and did it my way. I did it my way. That's not what I want at my funeral. That's not the way. That's not very reassuring, is it? 
not very reassuring when Jesus said, Look, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. <laughs> if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Don't worry about those who betray me. Don't worry about those who that I'm, and I'm, I'm leaving because I'm going to complete God's plan of salvation. Don't be concerned that the leader, one of the leaders of this group will betray me because he'll come back. Don't let your heart be troubled because I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It's not how, it's not where, it's who. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your graciousness, your blessings, and your comfort. Even today when we look at your word and we think about the troubles we face, we, we look at our family issues, we look at our financial issues, our health issues, all these temporal things that, that do come in front of us constantly because of uh, so many things in our life that um, cause us concern. But thank you that you, first of all, went through all of those, and so you can turn to us and say, don't let your heart be troubled. You have a personal faith in God. You have a personal faith in me. And that you have eternity planned for us. And we're not real sure what all that looks like, but we believe it. And we know that we're so thankful that you've been gracious to show us that you are the way. And that we're included. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.